0: Welcome everybody to an episode of my uh, podcast and uh, like all the episodes of my podcast, I'm always delighted to have my guest on and today is uh, no different. And Today is going to be a good one, they're all good, but I'm particularly interested in this from a data perspective. So uh, I'd like to welcome Dr. Gillian Nay to the uh, show, uh, Gillian, hello.
1: Hello, thank you very much for having me along.
0: That's all cool. right. The power of social media pulls uh, us together as does usually with most of my, uh, most of my guests. And um, I'm going to read off to uh, Julian's uh, headline here on, um, uh, on LinkedIn. The UK's first Doctor of Social Intelligence and Conversational Data, I believe, Data ip 100 Influencer 2021, and talks about all things basically social listening, which I'm a huge fan of, especially where the world is going around kind of data and data analytics and how we use, uh, use all of this. So, uh, without further ado, Gillian, uh, who, what, why, when, where, why, and then let's see where, what rabbit hole this takes us down today.
1: <laughs> yes, you've got me a bit of a cringe moment there, I when you read that LinkedIn headline, need to go back and change that now. Um, so stay tuned, everyone. It will be changed within, probably by the time you hear this. Um, so
0: what's but- yeah.
1: What's what's my story? My story was I never knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. And there was a series of they're not unfortunate events, they're very, very fortunate events, but there was a there's a series of fortunate events that led me to be where I was today. The first was really that I did not have a clue what I wanted to do when I was finishing my undergrad degree. And I was very lucky. And the fact that I was going to be the first person in nine years to graduate with a joint first in my university um, within the degree degree subjects that I did. So that was it was pretty unheard of. And they invited me to come back and to see if I wanted to do a PhD. And I thought, do you know what? Here's another three years. I can just I can style this out. I can do three years. I can find something. But then it turned. Oh, gosh. it was it was a lot. First of all, I had to find a subject that I wanted to study. And when I say I didn't know what I wanted to do, I didn't I wasn't really majorly interested in lots of different things. So they set me a task and sent me off to go and tell them what was going to be big in the next five to 10 years. And then we would pick from that on what I wanted to do. So I came back with two things that I was pretty interested in which was social media but actually from a data perspective rather than from a communications perspective and the other one my degree was in hospitality management tourism and marketing the other one was going to be the boom of um, location-based tourism from video from films and, and television and things like that so both have pretty much come true um so i'm i'm winning at that and really after after finding social data there's never been anything else since. It's just been, it's, it's my passion. It's my love. Some people don't like it, but when you start to treat it in the right way and stop applying old thinking into this new area, then you can come on leaps and bounds, which I'm really excited to speak about today. Well, I've already
0: liked the uh, applying, uh, stop applying old thinking to new data, whatever you just said. I, it's been a uh, long weekend. Uh, long weekend. <laughs> So, um, social, uh, social listening. There's a lot of, There's always been kind of social listening. There's been a lot of conversation um, out there, a lot of conversation out there at the moment around all of this. But for, for me, I guess social listening was or has been something which is kind of in the, 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 in the realms of the PR team initially, where they have social listening tools to kind of make sure that their brand, the brand, the name, is not being, you know, having words slung at it. It's not being um caught up in things that it shouldn't necessarily be be B part uh part of. But we've come obviously a hell of a long way since all of that and to your point around um I mean data is boring, right? That's, that's why nobody really wants to get into it because it's lots and lots of spreadsheets and you need to look at lots and lots of different things. But when you get into it you can get some really, really interesting insights. So so for you today, here we are what are we? September 2022. what is what is social listening in terms of how you would describe it? Or what is it becoming? Maybe it's not social listening at all, we should be thinking about
1: uh, Can I? I know that we're going to be doing this on audio, but can I pull something up? And this is the first time I'm actually showing this to anybody of outside of the organization. So yeah. it'll help me talk around it. You won't be able to see it, but we'll, uh, in fact, I'll send you, Alexander, I'll send you over a copy so you can publish alongside and, and notes and things yeah, like right. that. If you give me. Because this, is, this is a topic that comes up a lot. What is this? And you, you're right. And probably that the social listening tools and departments may be languishing in PR and comms and okay. lots of many organizations. And we find that a lot because one, for the first reason, there's that organizations start to take this seriously after they've gone through a major incident or crisis So therefore it then sits within that communications team or it's been part of social media or part of something else. So it's sitting within some of those teams and it's very narrowly focused, but there's more to the data. And it's just when someone tells you that there's more and shows you how to do that, then you realize actually this hundred grand a year I'm spending on this technology, isn't just telling me if my brand awareness is poor or good, or what the competitive landscape looks like in terms of how they're playing in social media. I can actually tell me real things but we've got a bit of a problem in the fact that because many departments can then access that data nobody they're they're looking at it in different ways nobody speaks each other's language and we're all kind of missing where each other is um and what can actually what, what can what's possible with social listening so mm-hmm. after many years more years than I care to remember I find that this is what I finally come to so on my screen here is a Venn diagram and it's it's very very simple so this goes back to the fact that when people we've got all of these people who say they're doing social listening but they're actually doing something very different in all of these different teams and departments across the organization mm-hmm. the most common view on social listening really is this real-time analysis part so this is the bit you need to know what your brand is being said about when you're not in the room or you need to have a bit so it's really risk reputation um, and performance so kind of campaign performance and all of that kind of stuff whenever we speak to people 99 of the time that's where they're playing and maybe at the peripheries of some of these other these other bubbles within my venn diagram here the area where i come from though is actually very different because i've come from that academic environment i've come from that research environment i and i'm And I'm not a data scientist. So that's like when you were mentioning about stats and and spreadsheets and things like that, I find the data analysis part of it very interesting because we're working with language and we get to understand people's story. Um, So I'm in this insights part here. Mm -hmm. And if you're in here, it's more likely that you come from a qualitative background and you start to use all of the toolkits and frameworks and everything where people have been analyzing language for many, 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 many years. So there's a real rich history there. Then we've got this other newer area that's coming into fruition, which is which they're calling decision intelligence, and it very much comes from a data science background. And interestingly, what happens is that this real time analysis tends to concentrate more on social media and other online sources. But when you start to get into the other two bubbles, there's a lot more context needs to be driven because you've probably got a business question or a problem it is that you're trying to solve with analysing that data. So you start to come. In, and you use additional data sources and you've got different models and frameworks, you're not being led by the technology. It's like, I know what questioning is that I need to answer. I know what data sources that are important to me and this is how I'm going to do it because we've got a proven framework here to do it. And mm-hmm. that's kind of, so most people say in the real-time analysis part of it, I'm, I can see over, you can see over it all, but for me, I'm probably more in that insight bubble.
0: So for those that listen to me, have got the Venn diagram, real-time analysis, kind of one bubble, insights, another bubble, decision intelligence, another bubble, so vision those three bubbles coming together. We'll come to decision intelligence in a minute, because now the second time I've heard this phrase, um, another podcast I was talking about, and then we have the overlap between real-time analysis and insights. is contextual and qualitative. Um, the overlaps between decision intelligence and insights is structured and immersive. The overlap between real-time analysis is quantified and data science-led. And the Nirvana, I guess, is the middle of the Venn diagram where everything is coming together. And that is always on scaled immersion. So um, that's I think it's really awesome here because actually the real time analysis is the thing that I always want to think on. But having kind of worked yes. with one of my colleagues in this space, there's so much more to it that you could be bringing to the party around around the data, but also picking up the point that you said, Jimmy, you know, around the question.
1: Yes this question that matters most really yeah um and i don't know it's it's difficult in a way because a lot of the because this really started off as a technological challenge suddenly we're able to analyze all of this and everybody's like oh this is going to be great and i think well, I, I, I'm i a little bit cynical and it maybe didn't quite happen this way, but it became, okay, so how, what is it What is it that we're going to be doing with this? How do we sell it to these people? It's almost like we created a problem and then offered a solution to a problem that nobody knew they had. And you, you kind of feel that in the development of the social listening industry, but there's pockets of activity that's happening and a development at pace now where we're starting to overcome that kind of initial Challenge. You need to have this because you need to know what people are saying about you. But nobody really knew how to get the insight out of it.
0: Yeah. So what? So if if, if and I I'm going to be broad brush stroke in terms of my 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 statements and this is through these B lens, not through these C these lens. Is the business to business marketing teams, social media teams, wherever this fit. I feel are. Still quite behind the curve in actually looking at this in in the round, the way that you described it with that Venn diagram over and above it, just being making sure no one's kind of saying naughty naughty things about this. So, why should anybody be thinking about this? And, follow up question should this actually be a board level agenda question around? what an organization could be doing with the ask the possible in, in all of this?
1: So to answer the, the last question first, okay. I would say that yeah, it should start to come in at a board level decision. And I'm not talking about social listening. I'm talking more about data governance and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like these are questions these are conversations that are being had just now and i often think that social data or internet data in general is a bit of a black sheep of the family we don't want that it's a bit it's too unstructured it's people just talking about their dinners or whatever it is or you know or complaining on twitter this is another thing that we get told a lot twitter is just full of complaints and actually when you start to look at it properly it's not and in a, some in some circumstances those complaints can tell you what you need to do next mm-hmm. um, or you can stop the complaints from happening which is fantastic news. So it depends upon the lens you want to put on it. So I would say, yeah, it needs to start being taken a bit more seriously. But until we as an industry can come together and actually show the impact that a lot of this can have, I don't know if it's going to be taken that seriously. And that's something that we're trying to work on. Mm -hmm. But it's a bit like pushing a boulder up a hill because a lot of people can't actually talk about the projects that that they work on or it's there's attribution for social data and all of these other things. And nobody quite knows how to put what value and what, but there's certain things and smaller projects that you can start to work on that actually begin to build trust within the organization that can then help you get to those larger conversations. And we've got loads of people that we work with at the social intelligence lab on that journey. And it's a lot of the biggest ones, the biggest challenge for them is getting outside of that comms department because mm-hmm. Social data is expensive and everybody thinks it's free and it's totally not. Um, it is expensive. Most of our enterprise organizations are paying over a hundred grand a year. Within there, they're paying for multiple tools on average about three. If they, And they've maxed probably out their data allowance for being within that one department. So mm-hmm. in order for them to grow in these other departments, they need investment from them to be able to buy more data to answer their questions properly. So loads of challenges. Um, In terms of it being a B2B versus B2C, you're right. Most of the work and you publish case studies and things like that. They're all B ninety percent of them are B to B2C. And I think it's I think there's one reason for that though, and that's been because we it was sold as you need to know what people are speaking about you when you're not in the room and people talk about brands online and they share branded logos and things like that. But actually the organisation, while that is good in a way for you not to understand that, that's not where the magic happens with all of its data. The magic happens when you start to go into categories and industries and look at society in general and how people talk and converse about various different subjects. And I think that this is where if the if our B2B people can start to have a, look, a more serious look at that and what's actually been spoken about, then you can actually leapfrog where the B2C um, crowd are just now, just by looking at the data in the right way.
0: And again, I guess that uh, it was interesting. You talk about you know the, the perception of social media just more broadly, kind of in a in a, a beastly or in the boardroom is you know, it's, it's people complaining on Twitter, it's people talking about how you take and cancel, it's people talking about what their dog had for breakfast and still on so forth. And even there was a piece I think in the New York Times, suddenly my newsfeed was <laughs> like, yesterday with uh, an author who talked about as LinkedIn become a place of oversharing? And we're over to sharing too much. And has it, it become public? Is it business, uh, business Facebook? But it's if you start to scratch beneath the surface to actually go and find the conversation that you want to kind of go and find versus just accept what you see in, in front of you, even platforms like LinkedIn can bear incredible, uh, incredible fruit. But I want to pick up on the, the, the point you made around getting the trust from within the business that this actually Works mm-hmm. and it mentioned you mentioned attribution, <laughs> yeah. which in itself is, um, you know, is it, it, a debate in its own right. So, where whether it's B2C or B2B, B, I think the my view, the argument is still remains the same. What have you seen? How has how this been successfully done, even on a small level, <laughs> for listeners that are thinking, okay, well, actually, we'll start taking this conversation to. To the right people beyond the common Department, but how do you get them on that journey of, of, of trust and understanding if, if we take this seriously? And yes, it to cost money, right? But actually, that investment could equal XYZ in the future. Yeah, so
1: there's. So at the social intelligence lab, we work with we're we're not we're a community for people who work with social data. So we mm-hmm. we get to speak and it's a, it's a really privileged place to be actually because we get to speak to all different types of people from all different sizes of organization and every single industry and every geography on the planet. So we've got a lot of understanding in terms of what's worked and what's not worked for other for other people. Mm-hmm. And everybody's there's always continually this education piece. And it's some people have had success with posting a, a regular, sometimes a daily newsletter on what's ha- been happening within social media and all of that kind of stuff. And that goes away to awareness building. But it's still probably quite a long ways away from someone who's making a decision, I don't know, about innovation topics yeah. or about whatever it is. They need to have more context. And you're not going to get that until you go and speak to that person and that team and that department. Sometimes you might have to have a little pilot. You've just done something off your own back, off your own steam. Here's something that is that I found I think you might find that interesting. What's happening within your work? What are you, what is it that you're trying to answer? Where do you need to know? Because I think more of this is about consumer behavior. So what behavioral trends, what is it that you need to know about what's happening in the world, in popular culture, um, to be able to make that decision? And sometimes a lot of it's how people associate different items in their head or what the purchase journey looks like or what you know what's people's hidden motivations and things and all of those Mm. things are hiding in social data you just need to know how to look for them properly um and it's just it's about building really that relationship and uh, really understanding what they're trying to use what they're trying to answer and not just providing them with this is one of my biggest bugbears of the industry we can't answer that But what we can do is do this workaround, and you do all of these three things here and you get to this other completely different thing that's completely meaningless for the question it is that you're trying to answer. Don't do that. Figure out a way that you can help them be able to answer that question. And it might be a little bit of that question and they may Mm -hmm. need to use a load of other stuff, but you need to show where the strengths and the weaknesses are and be really clear about what the caveats are and where the weaknesses are
0: or they're not going to take you seriously. I think that's the... It's so true around that in terms of kind of the the, the no, buts, and then you get something which is not relevant and then you've lost them because like, well, that's, that's, that has absolutely no bearing in terms of, in terms of what we have. Part of sometimes what I do when working with, with, especially, so sales teams, you know, the whole sales and marketing, um, conundrum in terms of sales and marketing don't work, don't work with each other in a B2B context or even, you know, speaking with organizations where, um, they have, Kind of these business functions doing this, but they're so far removed from the category. The category manager, managers on, on, you know, <laughs> on the ground, as it were, going, well, we don't get anything from them at all because what they give us is just so, you know, a thousand miles up in the air versus what's happening for me right here, right now, in this particular thing. There's that kind of big old disconnect. Is part, part of what I suggest is if I'm a sales leader, for example, go to your marketing functions and go, give me all of your data. I want it all. I want everything that you possibly have. And then, my view is that they should be able to spot some trends, or some, mono- or some anomalies, or some interesting. So um, I had a, um, a call, a uh, podcast, probably today actually, around intent data, and yep. Dr. Kerry Cunningham, and he was saying, go to your marketing teams, for example, and uh, if you see ten of the same person. 10 people from the same company downloading something from your website, don't treat those as individuals, treat them as a collective. If yeah. 10 people are doing something, then that should signal something rather than be treated as a, as, as a collective. And I would suggest the same with but if you have any kind of social media listening tool, and the chance that your comms department you probably does, <laughs> yeah. is go and ask them to look at it. And rather than plug in the brand name, let's say you sell CRM systems, for example, we'll go and Ask them to listen around what's the conversation around CRM high level and then start to poke and poke and poke a little bit further and go, Oh, that's interesting. We're seeing a hot spot of conversation around CRM over in that geography. Do we have a sales rep there? Will we be doing that space? Going to marketing functions? Do we need to create some more local kind of marketing in the collateral around there? It's just taking that step back and to your earlier point around old processes new technology being force into old processes yeah. which i'm hearing more and more and more so you invest in this you know hundred thousand pounds Is that we would say hundred thousand dollars that people are investing in this stuff and probably not really scratching the surface of what it can do if they knew what questions to ask yeah
1: yeah the and i think that that's the that's the biggest crux of it because a lot of the time Going back to that real-time analysis thing, everybody assumes that you need to have it in and it needs to be a longitudinal thing. It needs to be constantly running and pinging alerts off all of the different places. No, it doesn't. There, there's very, I think, I think it's like 80-20. So 80% of people's projects are probably these small one-off projects where they're doing a deep dive on something and 20% yeah. of them some of these long-term longitudinal things. So it's, yeah, come with a come with a problem. Think about what it is that you want to know about it is a research source at the end of the day. So if your organisation believes in research and it believes that the new term seems to be, it's been floating about a lot more, I've noticed recently, human truths, you want to get to that human truth,
0: right. then
1: this is a great way to be able to do that. Um, and if you're already investing there in other forms of research, then it doesn't take that much to start to move out into this into this area when you've got the right mindset
0: for it. I think that's a really interesting angles to look at in terms of using the because so think most organisations on the planet will say, yeah, we're, we're research led and we're insight-led and we pay we pay maybe we have a team of research analysts that create all this that uh, I'm doing verticals on thought leadership, which then never sees the light of the day or sees the light of the day kind of once in a, uh, once in a blue moon. So coming it through that that research lens, even give you know, give your research analysts <laughs> kind of access to the technology if you've got it, and let them yeah. kind of think about the sort of questions that they are trying to answer. And then you just have another source of um, uh, of, of data. And to to your point, this, this this can't just actually be looked through the lens of social media data. So you're gonna to have to go and invest in five third party data providers that maybe you think initially have no relevance to what you your, what you, you do. But if you start to layer all those different kinds of data points on top of each other. And then this, this comes to this piece around decision um, intelligence and in your in your then Venn diagram and this goes back to I' never ever remember the um, the author of the article even though I always cited it back in 2017 <laughs> where, But it's uh, a lady from she was LinkedIn she's now at my and again I should be able to remember her name but she tweeted back in 2017 that was cited as if you as a marketing exec if you go into a data-led board meeting or something or more- a boredom that thinks through, through data, and you start your, your sentence with, I think, versus I know, mm-hmm. uh, you may well be asked to leave the, the room. This is back in 2017, this um, uh, this blog article was, was written. It's around, do you need a data scientist in your mm-hmm. And the view back then was, no, but you need to have people that can start to think that way. And I think it's fascinating that decision intelligence, now you've mentioned it, uh, uh, Another guest of mine, Greg Smith, mentioned mentioned it. Because you have the real-time piece, you have the insights, the insights bit. but do you feel that you do need somebody that is able to bring that decision intelligence skill set and lens to it to be able to...
1: depends on what you want to do, really, Mm because I think that some of them have similar use cases and some of them, they're they're a a little bit more far a little bit more far apart. Um, And it it just, it depends. And I don't know, it's a really difficult one to answer because it depends upon the organization as well and where it is that they're investing their time and their money. So it might not be that they have the skills within the real-time analysis or the insight, but we've got a lot of data scientists there. Which then kind of changes where it is that you need to play with it, or where, where you're playing within yeah. that Venn diagram. Um, I would have to say as well, though, probably most of the data scientists don't really read social data, and you need to come over that hurdle. Um,
0: <laughs> so, what, what what use cases have you seen? So you're in the community that's um links down here in terms of the chat and the person listening, uh, of will be of the the podcast text, but. What you, big or small, what use well, case? What use cases have you seen where uh, an organisation has thought differently? They've been more open about to through a different lens. What what use cases have you seen where they've done this, and then something, an output or an outcome has happened because of this?
1: I think that's a hard question to. Answer. This is a hard question to answer because you get all of these use cases and case studies, and you're trying to scratch under the surface about what actually. What actually happened and did it happen the way that you say it happened because a lot of the time it probably didn't but it's um that's the power of a case study I guess um <laughs> lost over some of the hard stuff um it, it's I would say if we go back to the Venn diagram a second and I think it's maybe easier to kind of t- talk about that so within the real-time analysis piece we've got risk reputation, and performance and so it's really it's a bit feels a bit more tactical it feels a bit more numerical driven a lot of the time Um, you want to be able to quantify what that looks like and there's probably alerts and things like that pinging off so we see a lot of people i'm not going to say stuck because one is not really better than the other it just depends on what you want to do but we see a lot of people within there within the insight sphere i would see that we're then starting to have a look at kind of what's happening within culture and how culture is shaping people and how behaviors are changing and things like that so if you want to know how people feel I don't know it was a queen's funeral yesterday if you yeah. want to know how people felt about that then that's the kind of space that you're going to play within there within the decision intelligence I think it speaks to oftentimes and this is not this is ugh, there's various different points in it but if I think yeah. about that part of it it speaks to more operations and manufacturing and thing and, okay. and different things like that. And that's where I see those use cases. But the interesting thing is, is that the people who work within there would with never in a million years say that they do social listening. And it's the same kind of within the insights part of it is maybe not so much within the insights, but these people do not think that they do social listening. But if you, if you analyze any kind of data that's been taken from the internet, you're doing social listening. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, it, it's, just, it, it's just it's just as different as what i'm trying to say in a really long-winded way
0: no and i think it also highlights how how far we are in 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 this journey because there are different moving parts to it um different mm-hmm. skill sets that um are required but <clears throat> it comes from circle back to the the question, and um, mm-hmm. I would have managed to segue sales navigator into this, which is LinkedIn premium sales tool. So uh, it's just a just way to service data on LinkedIn. don't yeah. general, what question you're asking, it, but then you've got nowhere to, to start. And I guess it's it, mm-hmm. then helping people. I'm trying to simplify this, but my simple mind would also not say, like, all is a simple part from it, but sometimes simplifying things around well, what's the outcome you're we'll trying to. To achieve, if you could ask this one question, what would that be? Would it be really, really helpful? And then start mm-hmm. to work backwards through well, how might we then start to answer that? But have an open mind, have an open yeah. mind about where, back to your point around this being a research opportunity, look at it as that, and then just have, have a think about where might we find information, but have an open mind about where that information may be if, that you haven't necessarily. Given consideration um, for to 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 do to do that, so do do you, I'm making a assumption I'm guessing you do need some kind of technology to to do this. You can't manually go into let's say Twitter, as an example, Facebook, and start to list that I'm doing those appointments. It has to be some well, stuff. I, I This is going to You're be not, an unpopular.
1: This is going to be an unpopular opinion. So. If you're in a very small organisation and you do not have the money, because a lot of these the licences for these technologies are built on an annual basis, so right. you like hundred over a hundred k like the kind of top end of the scale. If you're a, if you're a smaller company, you're probably not going to spend that, but right. they may ask from ten thousand pounds upwards from you, depending right. on which provider provider it is. I would say if you're looking at this, you don't need to have that technology if you know the data source where you want to use so you could use advanced google search to be able to go and to search with your keywords and things like that using billion logic too which is how we search within these technologies or and i have to say when i started doing this there was no technology i had to do it by hand so i've been used to doing it by hand it takes a while, but because you have to search and read everything, you actually get a greater sort of appreciation for what's happening. Because I think in a lot of the technology, when we're using it, you kind of forget that it's been made by a human. It is about a human, and we're trying to figure out a human problem because it's reduced down to being a data point. So we really dehumanize it in this other way, where you're doing it and you're learning and you're you're reading and working out what's going on here it can actually give you a greater appreciation for what the value of this is. And then you can start to build and plug in some more, a little bit of, more of the technological solutions, a little bit more potentially of automation, depending on what it is that you're trying to do, but you do not need to start there. Um, My thing with smaller companies is, go and read the consumer reviews, not just about your brand, but about all of your competitors' brands and work out, you can really find really, really simply and quickly, what motivates someone to buy the product or the service, what the decision-making heuristics are. So we've got all of these people and product-led marketing's come a huge wave wave again, but it's not every single one of the attributes about your product that makes somebody go and buy it. There's probably about three really important ones. Consumer reviews will tell you what these three really important things are, and actually potentially some things that you might not have considered as well. and go and have, just start to read that. And then that'll give you a bit of an appreciation for what can actually happen here and how that can, this is a marketing use case, it's how that can then help frame what that communication needs to look like. Um, and One of the examples that's off the top of my head as we're talking, I did a study on, you know, those mattresses in a box that you get, so they've come rolled up and then you open them out and things like that. So I did a bit, I did a study on on this to figure out what was motivating people to buy them and if actually we found that in the what, the framing of their of their advertising and things like that it was actually more gathered geared towards attracting investors than what it was at attracting customers but just within some of the things that they were saying yeah. and then when we went and did this we were then able to do a comparison but people wouldn't one of the things that put people off buying those mattresses was is that everybody's had lots of people have had an experience with a foam mattress before partly they smell like fish and they get really really hot so then when we started to go back through another level and have a look at these advertisements we could actually see the words cool we could see fans and things like that so there was a lot of it they we're trying to kind of overcome some of that association and things so there's there's little things that you can do that don't take that long but can actually have a serious impact on how it is that you're you can communicate
0: with your audience. What a bit make everything client-centric and consumer-centric that uh, everyone on the planet claims it does, especially in the B2B, B2B space. And, yeah, I sound like a stock record on this, but even simple things like um, getting sales reps just to pick up the phones of to their top 10 customers and go, why the device? Yeah. <laughs> and actually, you, as part of your marketing messaging or this, this and that, And you know, those yeah. you know, your stats on with G2 crowd and there are others where they've got loads and loads of you know, customer reviews out there. And even it's, it's amazing how organizations don't realize that even on Google, <laughs> if you Google your address on Google Maps, yeah. people will leave custom reviews about reception or this, or you know, complain about something that there's, you know, the two-star, or one-star rating. Yes, it might be only two or three reviews, but it gives you some kind of data point. And there you go. I haven't even considered that you might use some like advanced Google search to start to give you. Snippets of data on the site, which then you, to your point, you mentioned earlier, kind of proof points or even a little pilot to go and then go, hey, I did this, this, and this, and this is what I found. Imagine if we could expand this a little bit, uh, a little bit further. If you give me a bit of um, investment, we might be able to do this, shorten sales cycles, increase um, return on investment from um, marketing. I and mean, basically, everything is like this. Is it going to save you time and money, or is it going to create, you know, a better uh, better set? sales opportunities and sales pipelines. And I feel if you can answer three of those one of those three questions with some data and some with proof now that most organisations would then be prepared to take a uh, um, okay. Most if you find forward thinking individuals, so Harold West growth mindset, fixed mindset, find a growth mindset, growth mindset is that word, um individual. It is now exactly <laughs> <laughs> to to go and kind of work, um, work through this and work, uh, work with this. Where, where do, I, I'm, I'm going to go with this question? Forgive me because i give you no time to think about it. Maybe you have, you have thought about it, but <coughs> Web three and the metaverse. Um, where, where, where do you see this w- this world of kind of listening to kind of conversation going in the world of um, Web three? And um, yes. with, uh, Starbucks have just launched their, uh, I think Odyssey It's called their mm-hmm. uh, Web3 based community platform, they could just mention crypto or NFTs anywhere in terms of in terms of their marketing, but it's, it's gaining momentum, like right? this this kind of de- decentralized um, world that we're moving into, allegedly. Um so where where that where are organisations, the organizations, where's it all gonna fit?
1: So it's good it's gonna be an uphill struggle for people in the start. So we've because of social listening and everything else, we've been used to analyzing text-based data. Mm -hmm. And even in the ones where we see that they're analyzing a bit of video, they transcribe that video into text-based data so you can then analyze it or the tools or the machine learning or whatever it is that you've got. Suddenly. We're completely changed. We're completely changing, and these these experiences are going to be more immersive. so my my challenge with everybody that's saying that they're doing video analysis, they're literally only analyzing what people are saying. They're not having a look to see what's in your background, what's happening kind of at different times when things come in out. and so we go more if we take it back in we go for more ethnographic, so it's like sitting and being immersed within what that what's happening within that community. Yeah. What do the rituals look like? What's actually happening? Is there specific colours? All those, all of these different things. So it requires a slightly different skill set. Now, I'm not saying that not, like analysing the text-based part of it is not going to get you something. It will, but we're going to hit a point in time where there needs to be a softer skill set that comes in to be able to really understand about what's happening within these places.
0: Yeah, the whole non the whole don- nonverbal cues piece is uh is, is an interesting thing in terms of the in terms of I'm just gonna sit by the step by the sidelines and just watch how this all um uh Oh it's
1: gonna be a mess. It's gonna Alexander, it's gonna be a mess. It's it's gonna be awful, but it's um
0: <laughs> <him. laughs> it. Uh, so if anybody is uh, thinking about uh, the Zoom Go on, start again, Alexander. With regards to uh, my audience and if they're, they're listening to this, they think um, they may not even be in the conference department, they may not be even anything to do with social listening, but they're going, hang on a second. Maybe we've got some of this 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 technology. We maybe you do have a technology. What would be your top tips or top three things or four, one, or whatever it is, to, to go back into your business and start going, oh, I want to think differently about this. I just heard this put in a podcast by Dr. Gillian today. Where do we start?
1: Where do you start? So start with you and what it is that you're doing in your work currently. Hmm. What are you? What's the things that you need to confirm? If you're in sales, what's the things that's happening without in in your category? Do not think about your brand. Think about everything beyond brand, everything beyond the brand. Right. So what's happening in the world out there? It's the thing. When you're working with brands, the brand's the center of the universe for the brand, and but that's not where. That, that, that's not where the magic happens it happens when you start to look beyond the brand mm-hmm. so what is it that you're trying to achieve where do you think that you need some more information about what's happening in the world and then start from there and go and speak to the social listening team figure out if there is a team if you have a technology yourself mm-hmm. the technology if you look at it for the first time you're going to see lots of various different dashboards and various different charts and it's going to seem really intimidating and you're going to be like, Gillian, you lied to me. There is no insight in here for what I need to do. But you actually need to start to analyze and segment the data for the question that you have to answer. So yeah, it's when you look at it, you're going to go, no, thank you. But you persevere with it and think about how it is that you what it is that you're you're looking for a little bit. And that will help you. So go and figure out if you have it, figure out what you're gonna need to have a look to see if they've got any capacity in terms of data volume, because a lot of it's done on volume or number of searches and things like that, if they're able to do that and work with them to be able to set this up for you, to be able to answer that those questions it is that you have. So start you could start broad and try to understand about what, like what you were saying, what's happening within the world of CRM and you'll get some topics that people are, are speaking about. You'll be able to figure out really easily what Um, what articles are being shared and and things like that but you need to go a bit deeper Mm -hmm. if you're a salesperson you want to know what motivates someone to purchase that product you want to know what challenges it is that they're facing so then you can work out how it is that you're going to help be able to solve those challenges and that information and insight is there it's just a little bit more difficult to get and you can't really get that through a bar graph or um, or a line chart, or whatever it is, you need to start looking at the data at that, properly, reading it at that point.
0: And of course,
1: they can yeah, come and talk to you, I guess. Yeah, come and speak to us. So we, yeah, we do, I'm not going to run your project for you, but I can guide you. That's what, that's what the Social Intelligence Lab is set up to do. So our mission is to advance the value of social and internet data in, in decision making um, and insights in decision making. So if you want to get started, we've got various different ways in which we can kind of help kickstart that for you. So please do get back in touch with me. Okay.
0: And if they want to do that, the best place for me to point you to is your LinkedIn profile to start with or a website or both?
1: Yeah, my link, my LinkedIn profile. So it's Dr. Gillian May and our website is thesilab.com.
0: Which I will post uh, in the chat down there or chat up here or somewhere around here. In the, somewhere. It'll be in the body of the podcast. Uh, you're listening to as um, as well, but I. If you're not thinking about this, I strongly recommend you go and start scratching the surface and a great you on there. There's some fascinating things that you can glean um, uh, out. Uh, Dr. Gillian, it's been absolutely wonderful having you on as a guest today. Thank you so so much for your insight. I enjoyed that. Yeah. And thank you Sharon, ben Dargan, for sharing with the Ben diagram. First time the world's ever seen him. we put the imagery, the image will be in the podcast as well. Don't worry, we'll put it out there and, uh, and we'll have a story recommend you connecting with Gillian and following their following story and being part of that community. Um, if you want to be on this podcast, you know what to do, come and find me. If you going to recommend anybody who's done this podcast, you know, what's the best to do, come and yes. find me, reach out to me very, very intelligent. Um, but for uh, now, Gillian, uh, thanks so much. It's been great having happy.
1: Thank you very much, Alexander. And thanks, everybody, for listening in. Thank you.